Hey there, lovebirds. Happy Wedding Wednesday, and welcome to episode 76 of Your I Do Crew, a wedding planning podcast. Each week, co-hosts Atan and Lindsay bring over 30 years of industry experience to the table with insight and interviews from local and national wedding pros to give you the best tips, tricks, and hacks that will take the stress out of your wedding planning process and help elevate your special day. So grab something old and something new. It's time to listen to Your I Do Crew. Today's episode features a returning guest. You might remember her from episode 47. It's Nicole D'Onofrio, the sales director and wedding planner from The Rooster Tail in Detroit. And Nicole is again bringing the heat with a ton of great tips for planning your wedding day timeline, some things to watch out for that can derail your day, and some great tips and hacks to make everything go smoothly. So last time we went through deposits, we went through picking a venue, we went through liquor licensing. Was that as far as we got? I think so. And I, of course, the rooster like the animal, which we'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> so we're back again with Nicole D'Onofrio from Rooster Tail, one word, like the animal, <laughs> in Detroit. Yes. <laughs> And, we'll never forget. Only one rooster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only one rooster. And uh, and again, Nicole is the... So, Nicole, again, your title is what? Director of Sales. But what you love doing is you love working with couples and helping to helping them to plan their weddings in your function with the, with the venue, right? Yes. Guilty as charged. <laughs> awesome. You know, there are, there are worse things to be convicted of. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should hold my right hand up here no. uh, yeah right yeah do you solemnly swear to tell the whole truth maybe right. we shouldn't ask you to tell the whole truth because sometimes wedding truths can get a little that uh, true dicey that's true you gotta sprinkle some sugar and glitter on it mm-hmm. the last time we talked about some of the basic 101s of venue planning you know how to pick a venue when to start planning and then the things to talk about before you really decide and book and so today we wanted to go a little bit further down the, the planning trail and uh, talk about some things. You, you had had the idea that you wanted to kind of start with wedding day type stuff, right? Yeah. So like tips and tricks and, and timelines, um, really how that day will, will look. So let's start with timelines because I think that can that can do a lot of cool things. So when you're talking about a wedding day timeline, I have I have received some some timelines from planners and venue coordinators that are really big sweeping gestures like, oh, in the morning we'll do this, this, and this, and in the afternoon we'll do this, this, and this. And then I've received some that are awkwardly down to the half minute. <laughs> I mean, you have to plan everything, right? So half minutes are good. <laughs> um, you know, for us, for a venue, we basically start at either ceremony or reception. Mm -hmm. So I do not do the first half of the day, but from when you get to me to the rest of the night, that's when we pretty much take over. So that is pretty scheduled. Like you'll see on there sometimes 8.55 p.m. And, you know, it seems like a weird timing, but it's almost in like five minute increments or so. Mm -hmm. So that's how we, you know, how we schedule it. And then, of course, there's something called like reading the room. So being flexible with that and knowing, you know, if, if everyone's not done eating, we cannot move on to dancing or, or whatnot. Right. The timelines are important to have, but they don't necessarily get set in stone, in other words. I, yes and no. That's a good question. So I think if your venue is also doing your food and they have a coordinator, mm -hmm. like how, how we do it, 
you do have to be pretty precise on that. And you're having Mm -hmm. the coordinator communicate with the chef, communicate with the bride and groom Um, for venues where you are renting a hall and there's a caterer. I would still say that timeline is pretty important. Nobody wants, Mm -hmm. you know, overdone chicken because you talk you know 20 minutes to bustle the dress Mm -hmm. you know that's an example um so yeah following those timelines are pretty important i always tell my couples to get to us 30 minutes to an hour before their ceremony starts if they're doing ceremony on site because you never know Mm -hmm. like what traffic will be like heading over or what could happen you know with hair and makeup and that's kind of like a cushion Mm -hmm. um versus you know hoping that every single minute is planned and followed exactly yeah because things do come up right you know yeah it always gives me anxiety when people are like yeah we're getting there 20 minutes before and i'm like but what if something happens right (laughs) and i'm sure with like the amount of photos Lindsay, that you're with you're probably there at what 10 a.m with them doing hair and makeup yeah yeah I don't know. I, I like how you said that question because I try and do that too when they let me build a timeline because yeah, I think people just think it's going to be perfect. Everything's going right. to be on time. There's going to be no traffic. Everything's going to be wonderful. And right. it's like, there's so many variables for that day, yeah. you know? Yes, I agree. I think that you have to do that that cushion and give it because mm-hmm. I almost never see people early. You know, they're not like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. 20 minutes <laughs> early on our timeline. Like, that doesn't happen. No. So, so anyways, building that, I think too, um, I always tell my couples, build it backwards. So know what time you want to end mm-hmm. and work your way from there. Because, uh. you know, some people are really adamant about ending at midnight. That's important to them. Mm-hmm. And then some people mm-hmm. want to end it at 10. But knowing what time mm-hmm. you want to end and working backwards, also keeping in mind and Lindsay, you would know this too, sunset. Yep. Looking at what mm-hmm. it is that day for those photos, um, knowing what time your guests want to eat dinner. So if you were to end at midnight and you only had a venue for say four and a half hours, well then that's starting at seven thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had a cocktail hour seven thirty to, to eight thirty, that means your dinner might not go out till nine. And that could be too late for people. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, taking all of that into consideration is important. Absolutely. That's a great tip to, to work backwards from the from the end point. I hadn't I was gonna ask you how you construct them. And so that's kind of the, the starting point. That's what I would recommend. I would say from there you kind of know based off how many hours you're contracted with the venue than when you would start. Mm-hmm. And if you have to adjust it, some venues will let you add time. Um, we at the Rooster Tail do allow that. It's There's a lot of factors involved that makes that, I personally would say, kind of a pretty penny. Um, some people, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. When you are doing a flow of an event, you don't want it to be so long that people are like, oh, what's next? I'm bored. You know what I mean? You have to keep it going. So sometimes four and a half, five hours is is perfect. You don't want it to be so long that there's nothing, (laughs) nothing for them to do. Um, Mm -hmm. After adding so much time, you know, seven hours for a reception, I think is a little much. Yeah, that's pretty intense. (laughs) (laughs) What's the longest reception you guys have seen? Maybe six hours. Yeah, I don't go to many receptions. And the ones that I do go to, it's it's been, I think, five or six has been the the max. Yeah. What about ceremonies? Are those 
How are those usually constructed? Uh, I don't know anything about ceremonies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is a ceremony? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I when I do a ceremony, and and I'm thinking specifically about sometimes where we have the ceremony and the reception in the same hall, right. uh, especially you know with a venue with a venue like yours, if they don't want to have a, a ceremony offsite, yeah. you know. When I do ceremonies, most couples nowadays are asking for 15 to 20 minutes tops. Mm. Um, and so we get there, you know, obviously at least a half hour beforehand and then leave themselves. A lot of couples nowadays are, well, Lindsay and I talked about this before, are doing first looks, mm-hmm. which get right. a lot of the photographs out of the way beforehand. So you only right. have to do a few family photos after the wedding, which yeah. is great. Um, yeah. So, you know, we plan out plan out a half hour to 45 minutes for the ceremony because we'll assume we'll assume it's going to start five to 10 minutes late because right. people are still walking in. Gotta love it. Yep. People are still walking in. You don't want them competing with the bride walking down the aisle. Yep. Every time I swear it's like, we're all ready. Right. My camera's on the people. And then there's just this group mm-hmm. of people sneaking in. And oh, it's yeah. like, come on. You knew when it was starting. Yeah, exactly. It's like uncle Bob. So a few couples, and we talked about this, a few couples have put like, you know, ceremony at 5.15 and they don't actually start until 5.30. 530. Yeah, which I think yeah. is smart. Yeah. Yeah. Some little a little subterfuge, a little wisdom. <laughs> right. We plan, yeah, we plan a half hour for the wedding and then, well, they'll usually end up right around on time and then, uh, then, you know, either guests will go out into the hall for a cocktail hour while they flip the room or... They'll just have the guests at their tables during the ceremony as well. And then there's not really a room flip in that case. And then just a short cocktail hour, cocktail half hour, cocktail minutes, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's it's interesting to hear it how, you know, every venue does it differently. We do ceremony an extra hour of time. So 30 minutes of that is guest arrival and then 30 minutes for your ceremony Mm. with it going straight into reception. Um, But like how you guys mentioned first look photos. 100% agree with you. I think everyone should try to do those because it does Mm -hmm. get so many photos out of the way. And I don't think people realize and not to their, you know, why would they? How often do most people try to corral Mm -hmm. 30 family members for photos? You know, it doesn't happen very often. But right. Like, it's so tricky to do that when you're under the pressure of like 45 minutes to an hour to get all those photos in. So if you knock out as many as possible for the first look, and I know here in Detroit, like I always tell my couples, now that Detroit is becoming so cool and and hip, you want to get those photos there. So the spirit of Detroit and like the stadiums, that's really cool now. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Lindsay and I, we we did, when we talked about first looks, she said that, you know, she's never had a couple of regrets doing a first look. Yeah. Right. Not once. And and the, there will be couples that will regret not doing one. Right. But right. as far as the actual first look goes, yeah, I've never had anybody go, you know what? I really yeah. wish that I didn't do that. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it gives you and because and, it gives you so much more freedom with your timeline. Yeah, right. I like the option too. Um, I've had it quite a bit this year where if people do the first look and they get everything done out of the way, then they get to actually yeah. attend the cocktail hour with their guests. And I think that's so cool because yeah. then it's not the pressure of like, we haven't hit everybody's table yet. Or, you know, you have to do a receiving line and we don't want to do one or, you know, whatever it is. It's like you get to mingle with all your guests. So I think that's really cool too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree with that. I've had a few couples do that where they go into the cocktail hour like halfway through and you know then it allows them to like grab their drink with their guests and try the food 
that they so carefully picked out because they do spend the time, you know, usually carefully picking out a menu that's important to them Mm -hmm. and then grabbing a beverage and again, mixing and mingling with those guests and getting extra time to see them is never a bad thing. Yeah. It really takes the pressure off them at the, at the um, reception itself. And I know that you had said in the, in the notes you had sent us that, um, finding the couple for important moments like making sure that they eat yes so important i've had to stand next to brides and grooms before to make sure that nobody talks to them and they just eat yeah (laughs) so again going back to that timeline picking out and thinking through how you're gonna get breakfast and lunch and snacks i feel like Mm -hmm. it's really important i think people forget about Mm -hmm. it or it's not built into that timeline that they're carefully preparing for so having enough food and water is is always a good idea yes yeah absolutely and and building it into the timeline makes it non-optional which is great right Agreed. And so I think going back like to that timeline, um, how I mentioned, we do ceremony where it's 30 minute guest arrival, 30 minute ceremony time. And then from there, whether they choose, like we said, to do the first look, which we all agree, everyone <laughs> should try to do. <laughs> yes. and, please, couples out there. Um, yes. <laughs> and then if they jump into the cocktail hour, great. Or some people will do like a 45 minute cocktail hour. By time you mm-hmm. get your gas, you know, to take a seat, mm-hmm. how, how much they listen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then by time you get the bridal party all lined up, because by that time it's been, you know, two hours, everyone has to go to the bathroom and mm-hmm. grab their own drink and, and whatnot. Then I would say that hour is when you can start announcing in. Personally, mm-hmm. um, a lot of my couples, when they get announced in, they afterwards then cut the cake Mm -hmm. Um, if they have a cake i think those are phasing out more and more Mm -hmm. um which some people just now do the the top tier for those photos or you know for their mom or grandma whoever that's important to yeah and getting that out of the way and then going into the toast and and the blessings that's usually where my couples had knacks mm-hmm. and then from there we'll go into dinner mm-hmm. whether it's the plated or buffet or food stations um family style etc from there on our timeline and again depending which style you're doing buffet or plated food stations is going to depend on how much time you plan for dinner mm-hmm. so you know if it's a plated dinner your salads will obviously go out first and then it's one of those things where you could kind of estimate based off the number of people how long it will take them to eat the salad mm-hmm. But it's also kind of having, like we've talked about, that coordinator who's really like reading the room, communicating with the chef, Mm -hmm. and has that experience to see when it's time to then get the dinner entrees ready and and then plate it up. And uh, we we always talk about, so so the three things that we can agree on, or two things we can agree on, are that everyone should do a first look. And then Lindsay and I, the the drum that we always beat is have a day of coordinator. Even if you don't have a full service planner have a day right. of coordinator. Now in yeah. in your function with the rooster tail, do you find that venue coordinators usually act as that day of planner or that day of coordinator? Sure. So I I would say I take on the role of, of both of everything. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, our our venue is so unique 
in that way. Not every venue is like that. They'll have at other places, maybe like a banquet manager where they kind of take over after dinner has been served. For us, we again are building that relationship where we're taking that first phone call, that first email, you know, booking you in the process of what you want, your dates, mm-hmm. your number of guests. And then we're there again, usually the 12 to 18 months looking at decor, looking at food, looking at beverage, building it up. I do have the pleasure of like on my Instagram, my professional Instagram, for those who want to follow at Nicole plans events. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to follow some of my clients on their personal Instagram. So that's always really cool to see what they're like outside how you know them and again Mm -hmm. it just builds onto that relationship so then day of again I'm with them throughout that whole day and like I've already met mom and I already know dad and I've already met the you know brother sister who moved halfway across the world and and we have that relationship and I Mm -hmm. think it makes it a little bit better for everyone for that kind of comfort um you know jumping in day of i I would think that would be a little bit trickier, but do I think you should still have someone there to help coordinate? Of course, because Mm -hmm. I think what ends up happening otherwise, if you don't, is then your DJ or your photographer are trying to help be that Mm -hmm. person for you. And then, (laughs) which is so nice, right? You should, you should see Lindsay's face right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's so much trauma and pain Uh, behind that uh, look. Yeah. In the absence of those people, I get dragged into it as well, mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, as the officiant. And especially times that I've been, we, we had a horror story uh, once where I, I had, it was, what did I say? It was too many hats. Yeah. And I, I was, I had to announce the couple and the, the bridal party in. Yeah. to the wedding because the DJ didn't know what he was doing. I had to release tables because they had just family friends who had made food. So there wasn't a, a caterer. It was oh, just, no. it, it was bonkers. It was absolutely crazy. So right. yeah. Yeah. And because they, they had rented like a VFW hall or something, which came with, with nobody. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. it sounds so simple. Like, Oh, I've coordinated dinner parties at my house. I can, I can coordinate this, but it's so extremely different. And then I think when mm-hmm. you ask your photographer or DJ or officiant to then jump in and play those roles, I don't know if it then lessens what you paid them to do. Because if they're trying mm-hmm. to focus on getting you announced in, how are they going to be taking a photo of you? You know, like you're asking people to have. Right. It takes it away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it stresses us out, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's so tough because sometimes people are like, yeah, we're just going to use you. And it, it yeah, it just takes away from what I'm doing. Kind of like what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, do you want me to tell people when to go or do you want me to photograph people coming in? You know, like right. it's just yeah. it's hard. It's like it can't be two places at once. So. Yeah. I wish, but so it's it's great that you guys do that and that you function as a day of coordinator as well. Because some some venues don't. I've been to some venues Mm -hmm. where the venue uh, coordinator is more concerned with just the kind of their end of things. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's something that couples need to check with with their venue is to say, well, will you function as a day of coordinator as well? Will you help us get the wedding party out at the right times and things like that? Or are you going to be in the kitchen working on food? Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. And I think from the couple's perspective, you know, asking those questions about like what where the places for the venues coordinators and like what do they help with and and maybe what do they not help with Mm -hmm. 
like for example for us we typically have we do a lot of setup as far as like linens and vases for centerpieces because rooster tail is pretty inclusive Mm -hmm. in our packages which is also unique um from a venue standpoint but Hmm. we set that all up so a lot of my couples are just bringing in um like their florist is bringing in florals to add to those pieces Mm -hmm. uh or sometimes people are using the florals the florist centerpieces all together whichever way they want to play it but after that like i'll have people say you know what time can i get in the building to set up and and i'm like what do you think you're possibly setting up day up (laughs) like i i don't understand what you think you know so we kind of take that pressure off and it's, you know, it's usually that kind of like funny reaction, like, oh, yeah, what would I set up? I don't know. So, you know, we do set out some of those items, like if you were to bring champagne flutes or like favors or the signage, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. limited. But again, for us, there's not a ton you should be bringing in. But if you were to DIY your own centerpieces, whether it's florals, et cetera, that is then when I say, okay, you do have to bring in mm-hmm. someone you trust to set that up or pay pay us extra to bring someone in to set it up for you. So yeah, probably asking those questions is not going to hurt you to, again, plan out who you can trust to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds so, so ominous to plan out who you can trust. It, <laughs> you know, it does, but uh, it's the, it is the truth because you don't want to have someone who's flaked out a couple times be responsible for bringing the cupcakes for your dessert. Yes, that's so true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or your wedding cake or... <laughs> or anything for your wedding day. Right. <laughs> So having that as a backup plan and knowing too, who's going to take it all the night off. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I always say, I I do not want to keep any of the card boxes or gifts, like plan someone Mm -hmm. who can take that back. So if you're staying at a hotel that night, you know, who is not and who can take it for you. So you don't have to worry about that. We sometimes Mm -hmm. at the rooster tail will allow like 72 hours for people to pick up their items, but I don't think every venue is is like that. So asking those questions um, is helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because every venue isn't. Some of them you have to have everything out the the night of, and you can't get in. Some of them you can't get in the day before. So it's it's real, real on a case by case basis. Correct. Yeah. Asking and again asking those questions to then build your timeline. Whether you have a coordinator or you're kind of building it a little bit yourself for the beginning mm-hmm. half of the day. Mm-hmm. So I guess going kind of back to that timeline. Dinner, you know, wraps up depending which style you do. From there, personally, our the way I structure my couples' timelines is the first dance. I do try to do it. People are at the tail end of their meal, just that way they're still in a seat. Um, first mm-hmm. walking around and and kind of getting anxious to get on the dance floor <laughs> themselves. Yeah. Um. So we do try to structure it from there. The parent dances are next. You guys have probably seen this less and less. The bouquet and gardener talk and mm-hmm. anything like that so we typically don't do those yeah yeah cool well, i know that i know that you're you're getting short on time because we want to be respectful of it because i know you've got somewhere to be i wanted to ask since we've been talking about timelines what have you seen are the biggest 
snags that people hit the biggest hiccups the biggest you know where the timeline's all planned out and then oh no Mm -hmm. what is your what is your um your pain point your anxiety point when you're coming up to something where you're like this is gonna derail everything believe it or not bustling the bride's dress Mm -hmm. i there is nothing harder than trying to find those tiny little buttons (laughs) tiny little strings (laughs) like when you're you know, the bride is not that she's moving, but she's trying to grab a drink for the first time, you know, and maybe eat something. And then you're trying to, if you've bustled a dress, you're kind of like very intimate. <laughs> it is technically your bridal party, uh, kind of like their responsibility. So mm-hmm. taking, whether it's your maid of honor or your mom or your sister, someone in the bridal party to your fittings and having them teach you how to bustle, extremely important. Ah, okay. Because it is tricky the night of, and I've had it where bustling a dress kind of derailed the timeline Mm -hmm. by up to like 20 minutes or so. Wow. And that is an extreme amount of time when you're trying to get, you know, food out and it it needs to be cooked at proper temperatures Mm -hmm. and overcooking anything. 20 minutes is never going to be helpful so then you have to communicate with of course the kitchen and and keep it all rolling yeah so, uh, learning to bustle the dress is important <laughs> so it can it can really throw a whole the whole day off by almost a half hour if somebody doesn't know how to bustle the dress and there's a lot of buttons yeah <laughs> and there's a lot- <laughs> okay. interesting so i like i like the idea of having whoever is going to be there the like you said that if it's the mother bride's mother or, or whatnot, be there at the fitting and do a dry run. Do yeah. That's why we do wedding rehearsals to make sure everything goes smooth. Correct. So do bustling rehearsals. Yes. I think that should be, that should be mandatory, you know? <laughs> so the wedding that I just did last Saturday, they actually had the seamstress that put in the bustle because it was such a complicated bustle. She actually showed up and did it. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> really? Because we had her whole dress up. Like we were all trying to figure it out. And then she sees her walking and she's like, oh, she came. And she like, she did it super fast. And I was amazed. Wow. I know. Wow. I wonder, if, I wonder if that's an extra charge. I don't know. It was so <laughs> cool. That is interesting. I would love if everyone seems stressed. I know. <laughs> I was like, can I have your info? Because that's amazing. Like, yeah. I love that. I think that's probably the biggest holdup timeline wise. And then people being late. But again, we usually pad it. So, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of help that. Usually I do appreciate when the brides and grooms or, or couples are, I'm going to say kind of like those take charge people where if their family or friends are rowdy, they will, uh, they will almost be the school teacher <laughs> in those situations. Yeah, they'll leave the smack down. Exactly, exactly. So that can be convenient when trying to line up, you know, bridal parties to get announced it or for ceremony. Yeah, because families families will disrespect the vendor, but families usually won't disrespect the the couple on the day of their wedding. That's true. (laughs) Yes. And if they do, that's a whole nother can of worms. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I think this also kind of goes back to like telling your your vendor or your coordinator everything as well. Um, I think we might have touched on this, but Mm -hmm. family and friends can be a huge impact of your day. And if there's something 
something you feel your coordinator should know, uh, I wouldn't hide it from them. And I think for us, you know, at the Rooster Tail, that's part of that whole building relationship for those 12 to 18 months. But don't be afraid to tell your coordinator or, you know, maybe photographer, officiant, the relationships between the people. And, you know, we probably see this more and more now where the parents might be divorced and they don't talk and, and being sensitive to that is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a uh, situation like that very recently. That's exactly case in point. The bride had some estranged family who was not invited to the wedding nor welcome. And she called me ahead of time to let me know that they had found out about the wedding and would be showing up so that there may be disruptions. (gasps) Oh, wow. So you've got a meeting in two minutes. Is that right? I do. They actually just texted me. Um, You guys probably know I love texting my couples. They texted me that they are on site. Mm -hmm. So I probably will run. I would more than love to do this again with you guys. Yes. Well, we'll definitely do this again. We've got a lot of material still to go through. Yeah. So that's awesome. You're such a great resource. Yay, thank you, guys. I seriously love this. Yay. Thank you. I'm going to run. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Bye. bye. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Nicole is our first returning guest. But it's easy to see why we bring her back when she brings us such great information. Should we bring her in for round three? Let us know with a DM on Instagram or by emailing us at feedback at youridocrew.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We're so glad that you choose to spend your time with us. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash youridocrew and help us out with as little as a dollar a month. Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode, like next week when we bring you yet another wedding horror story. This is Atan, owner and chief officiant of Weddings for the Ages. You can find us on The Knot, Wedding Wire, Facebook, and Instagram as Weddings for the Ages. And this is Lindsay Roselle with Lucky Bird Photography. You can find me on Wedding Wire, The Knot, and you can also find me on social media using at Lucky Bird Photo. If you liked what you heard today, help us spread the love. Comment, like, rate, and review on iTunes and Google Play and share on your favorite social media platforms. We love feedback. So if you have any suggestions or if you want to ask us a question, email us at feedback at youridocrew.com. Thanks for listening, and here's to love, laughter, and happily ever after. Cheers. I want to get, I want to get, I want to get married. Music credits are as follows. Song title, I Want to Get Married, by artist D. Cylinders, from the Free Music Archive. Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international.